podcastjuice.net. The planet is restless, Captain. They want their podcast. And they shall have it. I'll beam down to the surface. You have the bridge. Captain, that is illogical. These are Trek fans. They will challenge and dissect your knowledge with great emotion. It is a mission fraught with danger, peril, and grave risk. Suggestions. Send in the red shirts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Q-Storm. And let me tell you, we got a hot one today. Today, we're going to be reviewing Star Trek Discovery. Yes, people, it's finally here. We finally saw it last night. CBS, we saw the first hour on CBS. We saw the second hour on CBS All Access. And we're going to get into it. We're going to jump right into it. But before we do that, I want to introduce everyone. We're going to go around the horn. As I said, I am Captain, Captain <laughs> Q-Storm. For now. <laughs> right. Uh, to Don't my you? left is Mr. Craig J. Craig, how are you? You're a red shirt. You're not a captain. But anyway, I'm great. I, I am a captain <laughs> red shirt. <laughs> yeah. Picard wore dream. a red shirt. Now, to my right. Picard can work his computer. To my right. <laughs> insubordination already. To my right. <laughs> we have Mr. Big Sexy. How are you? I'm great. And Orville was not as bad as you're making it out to be. We're going to save that for later, but I'm putting you in the brig right now, and I hope the Klingons lobby a photon torpedo right at the brig. <laughs> but moving on, we also have two very special guests. One of these gentlemen, he was uh, nice enough to come back after being on the show a couple weeks ago, and that is Mr. Rob Gallo, and with him, he has Mr. Tom Connors, both of these esteemed gentlemen are from the YouTube channel, which I implore you to go check out, Midnight's Edge. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? I am just fine, and I implore everyone to check out the Red Shirt Podcast. We love the sound so of if, that. Now, who was that talking oh, yeah. just then? Who was that? That's Rob. That's Rob. Tom, how are yeah. you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. All or right. Asking. Or, asking. That's okay. You know, I'll that, let that slide. He that, Tom's from the streets, so he's... yeah. No, no, no. The, that's... Streets of, the streets of Wisconsin. No, he was... Yeah, he the was... rural streets. <laughs> he, that was his Klingonese from last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me shove my mouth full of crap first, and then it'll sound right. <laughs> okay, I think oh, we got... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I think they're, we... they're really saying, somebody please help me, we're choking. <laughs> I think we have a sense of where this is going. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen, people, let's just jump right into this. All right, so I wanted Rob to come back, and I wanted him to bring Tom because, I, as I said, Rob was on the show last week, and we speculated as to what we were going to see this week on Discovery. And, Rob, I got to say, you were pretty vociferous <laughs> about your feelings towards Discovery. And uh, yeah. I just want to – I wanted to bring you on to the show. We're going to just – we're just going to all pile on. Just This is going to be a free-for-all. I just wanted to – Bring How do you, you spell vociferous? No. <laughs> I, uh, we'll, we'll handle that later. We'll, we'll get the universal <laughs> translator. Um, but uh, Rob and Tom, please chime in when you feel it's apropos. Rob, uh, you weren't very happy, from what I could tell, with the with Discovery. Um, and I wanted to bring you on to ask you why you made some of the claims you made. Just talk us through how you felt about the show. Uh, yeah, um, not happy. Uh, at the time, that was uh, an understatement. Uh, uh, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's, what, that's what two cups of coffee and a shot of espresso will do for you. I was on a major caffeine kick, but uh, that's, that's another story. But anyway, um, yeah, I was not pleased. Uh, I sat down... Uh, I watched, started watching the first, uh, the first installment of Discovery, and uh, the way I described it actually to Tom was that ten minutes in, and I had felt that I had been there for two hours. Uh, it was, it was pretty. It, it, from the get go, it was pretty bad. Um, the dialogue was stiff. It was wooden. Uh, none of the. And none of the characters uh, seem like uh, real people. None of them spoke like real people. And everybody on the bridge and everybody in the crew of the Shinju was an idiot. 
and I, I I'm not sugarcoating. They were the stupidest people I've ever seen in the Trek universe. Um, <laughs> it it was unbelievable, and I, I just kept asking myself, "What the hell am I watching? I can't believe what is going on." It, it was just, and as the the first installment of the the pilot kept going, it just did not get any better. Uh, every single frame was just crammed with as much visual information, and it was just overwhelming. And it was just n- no scenes were allowed to breathe. And the stupid '60s canted Batman TV series camera angles. <laughs> I mean, uh... and then Senequa Green's posing in every shot too. Yeah, she she looks she looks like she's like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. Like every every everything she's got that she's got that arched back. And she's like, yes, don't I look dignified? Oh, and, I'm. <laughs> and anybody who ever complained about JJ's lens flare. I put on sunglasses. Never there were again. so many lens flares. Never again. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was just, and I will give it up. The, the second, uh, the the second installment was better, but the bar had been set pretty low to begin with. <laughs> so that was just, it was just. Um, Rob, I, I want to. Well, let me ask. Go you, ahead. Can you give me an example of some of the? Because this is what really intrigued me about what you said. Some of the dialogue that you said was wooden and stiff. I, I don't know. I, now, I've only seen the show, each show once. So I'm going strictly by memory. Uh, can you, I don't know if that's the same for you, but can you give me an example of what you th- felt was stiff dialogue or dialogue that didn't ring true to you? Okay, well, give me a scene. Okay. I, do, I do know that, I, I, well, the whole exchanges, all the exchanges on on the planet, first of all, where they're trying to save the water, those came off as very, very unnatural. And I, I do like Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I liked her when she was in the Bond movie Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, she was she was playing a Chinese agent. That was nothing. She's but she she's just not a very good actress. I'm sorry. And and the the Klingon, the dialogue of the Klingons, they were it, even though it was in Klingonese. It just it sounded like somebody was struggling to read it phonetically. It really did. And yeah, Klingons were terrible. Yeah, and again, they all they all sound like they had a, like a big big hunk of tuna tuna melt from their from subway in their mouth. I'm like, oh my god, would you just speak English for Christ's sake? Yeah, and they didn't Make really the whole thing easier. <laughs> and he didn't the main one especially didn't really know where to emote. It seemed like, and I said it to Rob, it was like the dialogue came off to me like stereo instructions or Ikea instructions. It was like very (laughs) on set, just especially like the first scene he's talking about when they're talking back and forth, uh, Michelle Yeoh and Sonequa Martin-Green, it is just so bland and boring. And let's face it, this entire two-part episode, which, sorry, this actually was one whole episode to begin with, and it yes. was supposed to show as one whole entire pilot, but they decided at the last minute to split it in half. Well, quote unquote, in half, because the second episode only runs roughly just like 35 or 36 minutes, something really? like that. It, well, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, well, they also tag on the uh, preview for the rest of the season there at the end, too, oh, to distract okay. you. But if you cut out the preview or the. Uh, if you cut out the credits and you actually cut out that part, it's roughly probably about 35, 36 minutes. <laughs> so it's barely like an episode. And then, like, it felt so generic. And you guys have already touched on the Klingons and everything else. And Sonequa Martin-Green, bless her, she she could be a great actress. But what she's given here to work with doesn't work for her. And she is trying to do this Spock impression it seems like most of the time and it doesn't work her character is just idiotic and does everything that happens is her fault and we know this because of what happens at the end obviously but i don't know if we're supposed to get into spoilers or not right away but oh yeah and by the way yes i am going to put up a slug that this is we're going to go all in i want all spoilers i don't want any holding back right okay so yeah well let me just say the first the first indication of 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 michael burnham's idiocy okay is that first scene on the bridge where the where the relay the communications relay 
uh-huh. it is it has a gigantic hole that it's been blasted in it, and you can see it's visibly charred. And they're looking at each other. Uh, gee, guys, uh, what do you think caused this? Figure it the f*** out! <laughs> Somebody <laughs> stuck a shot at it! <laughs> okay. So, 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 so while he's taking his medication, <laughs> Tom... Tom, yes. I want you to continue. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, basically just to kind of sum it up, what I what I did like about the story or the show anyway was Doug Jones's character was unique. It was a very unique character for Star Trek because norm- normally we get noble. Wait, Doug, Doug and... Jones was the tall alien? Yeah. Uh, Zaru, yeah. What was his name? Zaru? Yeah. Zaru, right. Okay. Zaru or Zaru? I think it's Zaru with an S. It was spelled yeah, with, with an S. S. Yes. Yeah. And... um. His character is kind of unique because we're so used to these dignified and heroic and over the top, very um, confident characters to where we finally have a character who's obviously just a coward. And um, like Andre Midnight's Edge pointed out, he's very similar in a way to a rabbit because his (laughs) species were hunted and his instinct is to survive. And that's it. So everything he, every decision he makes is based upon that, well, and that was you unique. You got to ask yourself. Okay, now I'm going to come at this from a different angle. I'm not going to show all my cards yet, but I mean, is that really something that makes the character interesting? That he's a coward. Then how the hell did he get into Starfleet? Right. I mean, what, well, that's a good, that's a good question. We don't know how he got into Starfleet. Maybe, maybe he was fast tracked. Who knows? <laughs> well, outside of Sonequa Martin-Green, he's the only one in the entire show who gets any kind of character arc or real introduction, which leads us to obviously probably believe that he's going to show up later on. Because that's another thing that sucks is 90% of the people we met in the show died. So we haven't even met the actual crew yet. And we're obviously going to have to go through an arc of seeing Sonequa Martin-Green get out of prison and all this other stuff yet, and that's where Andre was upset too, is because now we have a whole nother pilot to get through yet. All this stuff that we just saw in this in in this quote-unquote pilot two-part episode should have been in the first act of the show. And then secondly, the, the last thing I'm going to say about it and what really upset me most was the Klingons and how they were presented, how they looked. They looked like they were wearing gold dresses. Um <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, they had the opportunity to say, okay, there's different kinds of Klingons when they had the scene where they're talking to the 24 houses. Right. They could have shown different kinds of Klingons. Like we could have seen a TNG Klingon. We could have seen, you know, an original series Klingon and something like, you know, to where we can see, oh, okay, there is different like races of Klingon. This is not just the only one. Then we would have been a little bit more accepting of what's going on because then at that point after that, because Sinequa Martin Green's uh, Michael, uh, Burnham. What's her last name? Burnham. Burnham. Brennan. Brennan. Michael Brunham. She's the one who actually starts this entire war by killing the Klingon torch lighter in the first place, or torch bearer. Is that what he's called? Torch bearer? Yeah. Um, they, she kills him in the first place. So that gives our villain clear motivation to do everything that he wants to do. But yet then he continues to spend the rest of the second half of the first or the two part episode, basically the entire show being a villain, being like a Saturday morning cartoon villain, just <laughs> pulling it to the extreme and stretching it out as far as you can. It's like, this guy already had more than enough motivation. He All he wants to do is convince the 24 houses that they need to go after the Federation and he's got everything he needs going into this. Right. From that moment on, it's just extra villainy bullshit and really takes <laughs> away from what Klingons really usually are. I, I, said, I, I said to Tom that there, there was a point... Were the um what was the the Klingon the uh, what was his name Kutwa or whatever Tukuma. whatever it was Takuma Takuma yeah. bless you but anyway there was a point <laughs> there was a point you could have just swapped out Cobra Commander and would have made no difference <laughs> and then there's one last thing I'm gonna speak upon and that's that's it and then I'll let y'all talk I don't know who wrote this but I think they confused this with Star Wars because at what point does a Vulcan have Jedi f- powers and can talk to somebody across the universe? Well, no, wait a minute. We know I agree that with that. that. The Vulcans uh, have, uh, have vast yeah, neutral abilities. The, the, yes, the, but... The Vulcans, the Vulcans are just are touch telepaths, though. They actually have the that's physical just con- a, contact. Yeah, with, yeah, that really pulled me out of the series completely. I was like, wait a minute here. I feel like I'm watching Obi-Wan Kenobi 
This is not Sarek. I don't know what this is. I don't understand this. And it, it, right? And it could have even been passed off as a dream, but he's sitting there pulling the whole, oh, this is a strain on me and to do this. And okay, this is something that as far as I know has never been explored ever in in the entirety of Star Trek before as far as Vulcans are concerned. And and that's what I have to say about that. Okay. Otherwise, yeah. All right. So, um, Craig and Big Sexy, let's let's we're gonna partner you two up and see what we come up with. What did you guys think about the uh, the two parter? I'll let Mark take it first. Okay, there <clears throat> there were a lot of things that uh, <laughs> did not sit well with me. You know, one of them is uh, the ascension of Samiqua Martin Green's character at the beginning of the second episode. It said seven years earlier. She comes on the ship, and when she comes on the ship, she's doing that Spock slash Seven of Nine pose on the bridge. I'm like, really? Get away from that. But, you know, Q and I were discussing this briefly via chat. No one goes from crewman to full commander in seven years. How do you know that? It what does you not that happen. What are you basing that on? Oh, let, let's see. Look at any iteration of these shows. And they and actually all run for seven years, except for the original series and Enterprise, which was garbage. Uh-huh. No one ascended that quickly. No one. Well, and he does have also a point. Not only that, she she acts like a rookie, if it's supposed to have been that long too. At the same time, exactly. Yeah. 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 I guess I'm not getting that she. I'm not. You know what? I now I'm going to say right now. I maybe this is a little strong, but I loved the show. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I just said, wait, hold on, hold well, on. No, 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 but I'm going to... I just like, I dislike def- the show. I want to defend, I want to defend, defend Burnham a little yet. bit. No, 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 Burnham's undefensible. A rookie? No. She's, she's making rookie moves, she's got a rank she does not warrant, and then she went and committed mutiny. So and now then, she's in the slammer, so she's got to be busted down. Right, and, and she's and raised I'm, and trained and taught by the same people who taught, raised, and trained Spock. Exactly. Not one thing that she does is anything Spock would ever do. Well, and but, but anyway, yeah. But, but and also, on top of everything, she thinks she's the smartest mother in the room. So too, and there's nothing more annoying than someone who thinks they're the smartest guy in the room. Well, let so. me just say, in in terms of she doesn't do anything Spock does, I will say that they have they present the Vulcans as very unVulcan like when she claims that the Vulcans, whenever they came across a Klingon ship, would fire first. That struck me as not very Vulcan like. So. I think for this show, we have to kind of throw out what we think of Vulcans and what they, what we expect of them. And so her, her emotional response to coming across this Klingon ship, I agree. It was like, well, wait a minute, where's that coming from? I, I think it came from the, the, the Klingons uh, destroyed an out, a Vulcan outpost with her family was living or something like that. Yeah, uh, she, was like, she was like the only survivor and Sarek founder and raised her. Right. So. So it did strike me as odd. I would agree that 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 change came on way quickly, uh, where she was logical and and stoic. But then all of a sudden, we have to fire first. However, in her defense, it's because, according to her story, Vulcans did not make the same mistake twice, and they had to give them a Vulcan hello, which is blowing the shit out of them. Apparently, which. I had a hard nah. time with that, but they, they established why she behaved that way, whether we like it or not. Right. They do establish it. She committed mutiny. She's done. No way a full <laughs> commander does this and gets out of the joint with maintaining that rank. No way. Well, well, she, she didn't make the same mistake twice, but she made a whole lot, lot of other mistakes, though. That's the other thing. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Craig real quick, and then I, I'm, we're going to chop it up a little bit more. Go ahead, Craig, your thoughts? Okay, so my thoughts are that I, like you, loved the show. And bearing in mind, I'm coming from the original series. So I, I watched the original series as my very first Star Trek. So I was looking for that um, that comfort factor of the original series, and I found the comfort factor in the show where they've, they've got the same bridge sound effects. Um, yes. They've got, they've got yeah. very similar-looking phases and communicators, and the just just the way that the bridge operates is this is very similar to next to original series. Of course, the detraction is the fact that the ship looks more modern than the original series ship does. Um, but I think we sort of have to look past that because it's 2017 now, and we just no way we would 
take a ship that looked like a 60 ship seriously. So um, that was my one thing there. Now, the other things that took away from the show for me, and as I said, I did like the show, the Klingons were just ridiculous. Uh, as <laughs> Tom and Rob pointed out, they're talking with marbles in their mouth. I don't understand why they needed to do that. They spoke very slowly and un-Klingon-like. And as you, as somebody pointed out as well, they could have shown the original series Klingon, TNG Klingons, in there as, as one of the 24 uh, race, the houses of Klingon. Uh, one thing that I, we could be saved from that is that they didn't show all 24 houses at the same time, as far as I could tell, or at least they didn't show them closely enough so we could see. So it could be that we just haven't seen some of them yet. The Klingon ships, again, That's look true. nothing nothing like the, any of the series that we've seen, although I did think I, I did think I saw a, a Klingon battle cruiser at some point during the fight the, you know, that we'd seen in TNG or something. So that, that was a real disappointment, the Klingons. Big disappointment. <clears throat> that, that, that's unfortunate, I think. And then, of course, that shot in the show, like having hologram communication between ships. Yeah, that was bullshit. We didn't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, the la- the last thing I didn't like was the the Vulcan talking across space bullshit. That that's just unnecessary. She could have gone into her room and watched a video or something like that, a video playback. We didn't need to introduce some weird power that has not been explored before. That was that was unnecessary. But as I said, overall, I liked the show a lot. It reminded me a lot. They did a playback to the original series, which I really thought was great. Well, okay, so I'm gonna come right down the middle i think you all make some excellent points but you know what now big sexy will tell you i'm a very hard person to please when it comes to pop culture and entertainment i think i think uh movies and tv well not tv but entertainment in general has taken a dive in the last two decades so it's very rare that i like anything it, it, it very rare and i gotta tell you when i finished watching this show i was walking on air and part of that might have been maybe i'm a little bit prejudiced I'm like, I want Orville to suck it. Okay. I want that show to go away. (laughs) And I, and, and what I was hoping out of this show was that at least be good enough so that I can say Star Trek is back. I don't need the Orville. And I think this show accomplished that. I, you know, again, all the complaints I had, the Klingons, the uniforms, they look like drum majors in a, in a high school band. Uh, the technology is more improved than it should be. Uh, a uh, whole host of things that we got into on the last show. But I got to be honest with you. What I got from the show far outweighs those problems. I, the first scene, I felt like, you know, Rob and Tom, I, I, I respect your opinions immensely, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost crushed. <laughs> but that first You may scene, not at the end of this. <laughs> so if it makes you feel better, if this was not Star Trek, uh-huh. it would have been enjoyable. It would have been a very well-crafted sci-fi show. But they're putting the Star Trek name on it. And at, and at the same time, if they had just turned around and said, no, this is not Prime, this is a reboot completely, which they kept trying to dance around and we're still not 100% sure on, even though they've still gone both ways. Uh-huh. If they would have said all that, I would have been like, okay, you're doing something different. It's an interesting take. I would have been a little bit more open to the changes and stuff that we saw but unfortunately a few sound effects and insignias are all i really got from it that felt remotely really star trek to me you did get the vulcans although i I will say this i'm gonna let me let me table that just for a second i will big sexy you hit it on the head i didn't understand what you were trying to say before but you were 100 percent right one of the things i didn't like about the show i hate it was the actor playing sarek Oh Thank my God, he was—he did not come off as logical and unemotional. He came off as smarmy and smug. He was, and I said that to Rob what three months ago when we first saw the first trailer or one of the earlier trailers. I mean, yeah, yeah. I said that is the wrong guy they got playing Sarek. I've seen him on Gotham and a few other things. He's not going to do this character justice. He's the wrong. Yeah, he came actor. across as like, like he his didn't stink. That's how he came across. <laughs> but um. Yeah, uh, all the things that I complained about, I, I thought they were far outweighed uh, by the fact that I got the DNA of Trek in the show. I got the command structure. I got, like you, like someone else just kind of derided, I got the sound effects. I got 
I got my number one back. I got my captain back. And I just got the feel of Trek. Now, it's not the Trek. This is how I sum it up. It doesn't look like Trek, but it felt like Trek to me. I thought the pacing was great. It was cinematic. It looked great. It was shot great. The cinematographer, I, I thought he or she did a magnificent job. That that first I agree scene, on that. The first scene when they were walking in the desert, and I think one of you, I want to use my British term, poo-pooed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought they did a masterful job at establishing these two characters. I felt like I knew who they were by the end of that scene, and I wanted to follow their story forward. Um, now, the one thing about Michael, the one I was watching it with my son. He was he didn't get the chance to see it last night, so he's watching it right now as we speak. And they got across the scene. They came across the scene where uh, the Cleons first appear, and Michael says, uh, "Captain, permission to leave the bridge." And I'm like, "Well, huh? No, that would never happen. You're the first officer. You don't leave a bridge." And she goes back to speak to Sarek. I thought that was a little clumsy. It's like, why why wouldn't that have been on, you know, why wouldn't that have been put on screen for the whole crew to see or something like that? That that didn't strike me as, as and her running onto the bridge half naked, although I didn't mind the half naked part. Yeah, I had a feeling. That's <laughs> well, you know, I am heterosexual. Allegedly. Oh, oh right. my. Oh my. <laughs> Uh, that struck me as a little bit off, you know, uh, off kilter, but man, this seemed like this was the first show, the first Trek iteration I've seen where this, the, the, the stakes seemed high to me. Uh, it was suspenseful. Everything moved. They moved at a good clip. And my, my complaints other than the fact that it looks like Kelvin Trek and all the things that I've laid out since last year, other than those complaints, which are foundational, I was really happy with it. Even the Klingons, I, I have to say, I hated how they looked. Uh, I, I I was like, I think I tweeted while I was live tweeting, why do they, I love the fact that they were speaking Klingon to each other and we had to read the subtitles because we're Trek fans. We're intellectual people. We're willing to do the work. We'll read if we have to. I love the fact that they did not speak English to each other. That always bothered me. So I like that, but the, I did tweet, why does it sound like they're congested? I don't know why they why they went with that route, but um, yeah, I I I'm looking forward to next to the next episode. The other, only other complaint I had, which is very superficial, was the music for the opening. For me, I don't know how you guys feel. For me, the opening of a Star Trek series, the opening of the show, is is a signature moment for Trek, as far as I'm concerned. And this one. While I liked the visuals, the 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 CAD renderings, almost like CAD renderings, uh, they looked like it looked very um, what's the word uh, like blueprints or yeah, uh, it, I, I, I I, yeah, I understand it's supposed to look like blueprints or diagrams or whatever. Yeah, I love it because it speaks to the nascent <clears throat> building. It, you know, you think you you see a blueprint, you think something's going to be constructed or built, and this is uh, the Federation Starfleet in its infancy. I love that. The music was a little bit disappointing. It didn't go anywhere. There was no build. Like, think of Voyager. Um, th- think of uh, Star Trek, which uses the Jerry Goldsmith thing. This one just kind of meandered, and then it just ended on the Star Trek flourish. So that was a little it disappointing. Felt, it felt what? to me like they were trying to emulate the Netflix series' openings, at yeah. least a little bit to me. Yeah, I did not get that. I don't, like. I understand the point of the of the opening, but it did not have that majesty of a Voyager or of a Deep Space Nine or, you know, actually, if you if you were to take out the Russell Watson theme from Enterprise and, and put, like, traditional Star Trek music, even that would be good because it shows you sort of a history of flight and man taking to flight and everything. But um, actually, another thing, actually, another one you talk about the music, one of the things I noticed was that Every, especially in the first part, every single second of screen time was occupied with background music. They did not just let a scene just breathe are and you let sure you just. In, are you, are you, it, you sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure of it. I'm like, that's what I'm like. Would you? And I, I'm like, would you just shut up and just let me enjoy the visual here? It just seems like it was a very kind of old Hollywood kind of idea where every single second has to be has to has to have something happening on screen that has to be either occupied by music you know like there was 
And you know, in radio, there's the whole rule, no dead air. You know, it just seems like they did not want any dead air. And um, the the Klingon, you know, like I guess uh, we were talking about this with Tom the other uh, just a little while ago. The Klingons, all their stuff was like very detailed, but it was all pretty useless. <laughs> all the stuff they they had, all the armor and all the and all the details, it was all very ornate and all very well done and and like I said, very detailed. But it really served no purpose. The Klingon armors usually has some sort of function to it, whether it's to you know deflect a batleth or or whatever, you know, or just to look, even look intimidating. And uh, the the bodies on the outside of the ship was completely dumb. All that did was this was to be a Deus Ex Machina for how they were going to destroy the ship later. Well, I I, I can understand where you're coming from. I believe me, I do. But this this um this house of Klingons, I guess, Takuvma's house. It yeah. was my understanding that they were a more religious house because they did speak about Stovall Core a lot. I love that shout out. They spoke about Kalis a lot. I love that shout out. So, to me, it read like this is a ritual that this house does because they are a more spiritual sect of Klingon, if you will. So, it didn't strike it, me as hollow or uh, as un not legitimate. You know what I mean? But uh, but if the dead are sacred, then you put them on the outside of your ship and where they could just easily like like blown off by a like a meteor strike i mean that doesn't make a whole lot of sense i mean you put them on the outside i mean that's that's like tying at the end of vacation they tie grandma to the roof of the car well no i thought they were collecting all the bodies to bring them onto the ship that's what they were doing they were, they were, they were tractor beaming all of the bodies weren't they they were yeah, no, yeah they, were, they were just recover they were recovering them so probably they, so they could just put them back on onto the to the exterior yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're right. They did have them all on the side of the ship. Exactly. That, that was a stupid idea. Definitely. Almost like an extra level of dumb. Prote- yeah, besides <laughs> dumb well, protection, you know, I guess. I don't know. I and have, it was so I they could fight that. with them. Was the whole reason they used for it? Was even in death, they were still fighting alongside their brothers. Huh. Strapped them to torpedo tubes. In that case, jeez. Your yeah, final, no, your final ride shall be a glorious one. So one thing I wanted to say about the whole Klingon thing is they drew it out far too long. They they could have told the Klingon story in in a ten percent of the time that they spent I said the waffling on and on and on about this that the next thing. In previous Star Trek movies, you get the whole gist of what's going on in the scene by just a few angry you know Klingonese words, not like spending ten minutes waffling on to everybody. It was too much. I, I, I do I agree. The, I, the flashback I, I with the kid uh, to Kuvma as a kid, I don't know what that lended to the plot, and that happened in this. No, that was actually the first episode, but yeah, I, I do agree that some of that could have been truncated. And, and after a while, even though I liked the Klingons talking in Klingon, after a while, I was like, oh, okay, let's we got it. Let's let's move this along, please. Let's move it I, along. I'm, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar or, or fans of Rick and Morty, uh, but creator Dan Harmon. He actually had a very interesting uh, bit about that. He says there is no way to make a character less inter. There's no better way to make a character less interesting than to tell his backstory. And <laughs> to me, going into the mass amount of details about the Klingons and all their stuff, I'm like, yeah, it's interesting to a degree, but it's almost like telling the origin story of the shark and jaws. Uh, you. Really don't want to. There's you only this time it's so personal. Much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I, you know, but the, but the idea is to make them a menacing character. You don't want the audience to make the to be to sympathize with them. You want to make them menacing. You want to make you want to make these these guys are bad. But it's sort of a simple, easy, kind of easy black and white thing to go to get into. But it, you're diminishing the effect of these guys being the penultimate bad guy in the series by making them sympathetic, by making the audience, oh, wow, I can kind of get why they would do that. I'm like, yeah, that makes me hate them a lot less now. I don't know, Rob. I got to be honest with you. Since we know, let's, let's assume, let's put aside that it doesn't look anything like what we know of the Berman universe of Trek. But knowing where the Klingons are going to end up being, uh, you know, our friends of the Federation, I, I that was one of the things that drew me to the Klingons that made me even though I didn't I was put off by their look I found myself fascinated with learning about 
maybe just this particular ship or this house, I did find myself fascinated to learn more about their culture. I found them very interesting. Now, it went on too long, but I was captivated uh, by, by, the, by the whole, uh, all that they presented about the Klingons. I, I wanted to learn more about them, and I, I like that balance, showing why uh, Takuvma may, you can, why I'm understanding his motivation. Um, and, and even though I'm identifying with the Federation and Starfleet, I like having that balance um, between the two factions. Um, but let me ask you a quick one thing I did not get was um, I I don't know if it was the, the the way they shot it, but I could not tell how the torchbearer Klingon got stabbed by uh, Burnham. How uh, how did that happen? I could not make it out. Yeah, I I. It was an I, uh, it wasn't it an accident? Yeah, I think it, I think it was. Yeah, it she, did seem kind of more like an accident. Yeah, but she didn't want to kill him, but she ended up killing him anyway. Uh, and and one of you guys said that this was all Michael's fault, and I think that's the premise of the show that she because we hear we know Jason Isaacs is going to say something like, "You started a war, you want to help me finish it," and I'm like, "Well, wait a minute." When she got on the ship. She told the captain that we got a fire on him. And the captain understandably raised her phaser and said, stand down. What happened after that? 24 ships showed up. So really, Michael was proven right, wasn't she? Yeah, but doesn't make doesn't make her any less of an idiot, though. It <laughs> doesn't mean she was, and it doesn't absolve her of her mutinous actions. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that it doesn't. But And by the way, she's going to pay the price. I assume something's going to happen when she gets to the discovery. Well, where, just like well, with uh, with Tom Paris, he was in a Federation penal colony, and he got pardoned. Well, you know, he didn't well, get pardoned. He, he didn't yeah. get pardoned. Well, he was provisionally. He was on provisionally he, on probation. Provisionally, yeah, on probation, and they got you know uh, launched into the Delta Quadrant. But that's you know, we kind of know how that figured out. But uh, another thing that, like I said, yeah, another stupid decision. Rank at one point. Another stupid decision. Actually, it was her fault to begin with because she wanted to go on this spacewalk when they could have sent a probe. Right. Well, to be fair, yes, uh, there was a plan set out to begin with for them to draw in the Federation. And they were going to start a war no matter what. Right. But all her actions up and through past the mutiny and everything were completely illogical. And even in the setting of the show, even if they are privy to or if they are not privy but uh important to things that are coming up later that's one thing too but you're putting it in a position where basically okay so what they figure out that the klingons were planning on starting a war no matter what so that's why they pardon her because there's really no other reason to pardon her and what other proof are they going to have or you know that she didn't basically start this whole war you know what i'm saying yeah yeah well, like I said, the other thing, like I said, it was just one. It seems like it was one stupid decision after another. There was there, there's a saying, just you know, just because even though you see the trap, that doesn't mean you you know it's a trap. You shouldn't take the bait. You know, she deliberately she, if, even if she knew it was a trap, does that mean you actually run headlong and say, okay, snap, you know, and trigger it anyway? Well, let me ask you guys. We're all Trek fans here. To me, that means you're condemning Spock in the motion picture for taking that spacewalk instead of launching a probe into V'ger. I mean, that was that was another stupid that was another stupid move. <laughs> I get I get the whole point of of Star Trek the motion picture. It was supposed to be this big awe inspiring inspiring um, moment where it makes you say ooh ah ooh ah ooh ah. But um, <laughs> that was actually do that again pretty, and I'll pretty, go baby baby baby. <laughs> baby. Yeah, it sounded like but, uh, my every other uh, weeknight for me <laughs> around oh, midnight. <laughs> anyway, but go on. Okay, baby, baby, baby. Anyway, but um, but anyway, yeah, I I call Star Trek the motion picture the slow motion picture. I mean, it it really it had its problems. I of course this it modern did. Star no Trek. No denying yeah, that. Yeah, the yeah. Mo- the modern Star Trek era I perceive as starting at Wrath of Khan. So and sort of oh. Okay, the motion picture that happened. Let us never speak of it again. Yeah, I'm a Kinda fan like... of that film, though. I have to be honest, but I I understand where you're coming from. All right, I'm gonna throw a couple of things out there real quick. Okay, this is spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. You've been warned. 
Is Michelle Yo dead? If she is, I'm pissed. I am pissed. Be pissed. Because they Yes, they, she's dead. Be pissed. She was great too. I liked her a lot, you know, better than I liked uh Burnham and she she had a lot to offer, but let's see what Isaacs can do. She's dead, Jim. Yeah, ah uh, that was the we, we get we found we get an Asian lead on a Star Trek show and they kill her off at least give her a season well well alex kurtzman warned you don't get used to anybody hang around too long <laughs> well you know what this is star trek right and the, the klingons could revive her well, that's, she what, was, that's what i'm thinking so, right yeah maybe yeah. she's not truly dead okay now let me ask you guys this i i put up a youtube video just uh a couple hours ago with my quick reviews uh, i watched quick, it yeah actually yeah. So I, I did watch now so you, you you know what I'm about to say. I think that if this... Sh- I think they missed something really big here. If the producers of this show, instead of making this a prequel, had made this 10 or 20 years past Voyager, or past the... I'm just going to the TNG time period, because Voyager, DS9, TNG were all in the same time period. I think all of the stuff that we were complaining about, about the Klingons, the look of the ship, um, the the uniforms, everything, that would have been done away with because it just would have been another evolution into Trek's future. What do you guys think about that? I, no, I agree with that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with it to a point, but then you're still left with the problems of an utterly stupid first officer and making really bad decisions. Okay, wait, guys, Rob, Rob, but, Rob. But I, but I do, but all the, all the aesthetic problems that you said about the technology and the ships and everything, yeah, a, a lot, a large amount of those would, you would be able to give a pass to. Right, yeah. But I'm going to back up a sec, Rob. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm slow. Big Sexy, <laughs> shut it, shut it, Big Sexy. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm slow. I need you to break this down for me. Yes. Okay. What were these stupid decisions that you're talking about that Burnham made? Like I said, she she starts a war. She commits a mutiny. She starts a war. She well, gets... And, and like I said, she decides that she's going to take a spacewalk into a heavily irradiated area, risk her, risk her own life for no good reason. Which she had to talk her captain into doing in the first place. Yeah. Like I said, when you could have easily just sent a probe or taken a shuttle. I mean, shuttles don't exist in this in this uh, in this period. I mean, the re- the only reason why we didn't see shuttles in the in the original series for for uh, the first half of the season was because of budgetary reasons, which is why they had the transporter because they had to figure out a cheap way of getting people to, to and from the surface of a planet. It was, but but let me can I just yeah, go ahead. let me throw this yeah, out to you. I don't again. I don't remember the first half hour all that well in terms of dialogue and and plot going from A to B to C. Like, why did she take the spacewalk as opposed to sitting on a shuttle? But maybe they suspected that there was someone lurking about, and the signature of a shuttle is much more significant than someone in a spacesuit. Yeah, yeah, they actually did say there's somebody. Somebody could be lurking. But again, though, if somebody's lurking, you don't risk you don't risk somebody's uh, a crewman's life on it. You send a probe. You send a oh, probe to do friend, it. Oh, my friend! But Picard and uh, and Cisco Walter. and Voyager, they wouldn't have. They would. They had no compunction about sending people down to demon planets and things of that nature. Well, they would say, "Goes launch a class two probe." <laughs> you know, <laughs> probe, probe away, sir. Ah. Uh. Well, yeah, like, like I said, it was just to me, like I said, to me, it was just and all of the all of everything else is sort of just cascaded from that one bad plot point. And I was like, and that's where it sort of started on Ravel for me. I'm like, OK, you know what? No, this is not going to end well. <laughs> I don't <laughs> just, know, man. You, OK, starting the war. We already kind of went over that. The Klingon snuck up Warner and tried to tried to cut her in head off with with the i don't know if they call him batlets he had a sharp sword so what was she supposed to do <laughs> she defends herself but you know she gets back to the ship like get back into sick bay oh well they nearly kill me yeah and you des- you probably deserved it sit down and get back into sick shove and get back into sick bay <laughs> any any strong command any strong and 
Catherine Georgiou, she was an idiot for for not telling her to get, not telling her to just sh- know your role, shut your hole, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we saw with that. We saw how that played out in um, Star Trek Into Darkness with uh, Uhura putting her hand in the captain's face. Can I have a second, please? You know. So this is this is the millennial Star Trek. I get. I don't know. Oh my God! Like this guy with the ears, you know. I didn't get it. I didn't get him at all. Like, but I can see the irony in it all. But you yeah. know, you know, it's funny. Yeah, this, yeah, this is man, man, like actually, no, that was one of the things. Maybe, maybe this is just maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe this is what modern audience is like. But at the same time, I'm like there are glaring problems that I cannot ignore with this, and that I'm like that somebody should have said, "Hey, wait a minute." This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Hmm, I don't know. But man. Maybe younger audiences, maybe they're willing to overlook this, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I am. To but me, it almost come off as a rip remake of the '09 Star Trek movie. If you really look at the plot points and the beats, it's very similar. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, like I said, I. I, I said it was the millennial Star Trek. <laughs> Maybe that's a little harsh. Um, and one of the things people have been bombarding me about with is that, you know, I don't like the Kelvin. Why do I not like the Kelvin Trek? But I like this because it looks so much like Kelvin with the lens flares, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the the it looks totally different timeline like the Kelvin Trek. And what I would say is with the Kelvin Trek, you know, I am not as forgiving with that. As I am with this, because with the Kelvin Trek, you you you're giving you're trying to give me Kirk, Bones, Spock, Uhura, Sulu, Chekhov, and so I I have a right to have ex- expectations about that universe that has those characters in it. With this, as I said on the video I posted, all these characters are tabula rasa; they're all blank slates. You can do anything you want with them, as long as it makes sense, and it, it doesn't all the other stuff is incumbent upon me to cleanse my palate of okay i have to understand that we're not going to get a show that's going to look pre pre uh tos because as craig said earlier that's not going to fly and we we also have to understand that just like in tos i think picard makes a uh reference to this you know, the way uh, crew members would just, mut- not mutiny, but they would just flout the rules like Kirk did. He's a cowboy. It's the many, many members of the crew. Because they were going in uncharted territory. You know, the rules were a little different for them in TOS. Well, now we're 10 years ahead of that. And they all, the showrunners also said there's going to be conflict between the characters. And as much as it made me cringe to hear um, Burnham say, we have to fire first, Captain. That's what they said they were going to give us. <laughs> and, you know, I found it a little refreshing. I-, I found that a little refreshing. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm a huge Trek purist for the most part. But I- that does my anyone got anything else to say? I, I-, I- I'm riding with the show. <laughs> I, I am all in on the show. Anyone else got anything else well, to say I'm, about this? Um, I just, I just think that this show could could end right at the end of the second episode. You just close the book on ah. Michael Burnham. She's in prison for the rest of her natural life, you know, and she becomes a footnote in Federation history. You shut the. She, she pleads guilty. She sentenced. You lock her in a cell. Clang. That's it. You never hear from her again. That's that's the that's because it sort of it sort of came full circle. You know, with everything that happened, if you think about it. So, so does that mean you won't be watching uh, next week? Um, most likely, no, because wow. I, I really do not want to pay for another service. I really oh, do okay. not. Okay. Well, I, I, so <laughs> I, is, so is, that's is, my line in the sand. Is that your reason? Uh, okay. What, if you didn't have to pay for that, it? that and I that and I just and I didn't I did not like it. These characters and this these characters were annoying. They were they were they were. It was utterly insipid. I mean, the the entire show seemed like it was just built around what effect shots can we do where, and okay, we'll just try to tie it together with a story later. That was oh. another thing. The, the, it seems like it seems like the story was just written on a, on a cocktail napkin at lunch at one at one one day. Oh, you know, 
hey guys, it'd be cool. Like there's a there's a game we play. You play I, when I did improv, there's a game you play called the first word ga- game. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Where three people get together and somebody starts something and they say everybody says one word and you try to build the story and where you get stuck is when someone says and and that's what it kept seeming like someone was just saying and then and 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 it was just and it just that's where it kind of started to fall apart I'm like they just it seemed like they hit a wall and they had no way to to, to write themselves out of it okay well here's the here's the follow up question are you going to watch the Orville instead? Yes, I am. Oh, I am. Either or scenario, There are two different things. But at the same time, I find the Orville more satisfying. I find if it's it, there was the episode last week felt more like I was watching an episode of The Next Generation. Thank you. Oh, and God. let me tell you, and let me tell you, the one shot that encapsulated, the one shot that said me, that said to me, this Seth MacFarlane knows what he's, what he's doing is the very last shot when you see the baby in the crib and she has the Rudolph toy. I'm like that. He I managed to out Roddenberry Roddenberry right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, Rob, hearing you talk like that is like when you have a, a old high school buddy that you haven't seen in 20 years, and then you see him on Facebook, and you see how he really feels. <laughs> you find out he's a rabid Trump supporter. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no. Okay. I, I voted for Bernie Do Sanders. So no, we're not gonna, let's, not talk, let's not talk politics. We don't want to get that. Okay, yeah, we don't want to go there. That's a bailiwick that's, that's that we don't want to try to storm. Uh, Tom, are you going to watch it again? Are you... Um... Yes, but I don't hold out a lot of hope. I would like to see what characters we get added after this, just to kind of see what they plan on doing with it. Uh-huh. I'll probably kind of force two through Andre. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure Rob will probably have to deal with the same thing, at least for a few episodes. I See, I didn't really... No, I mean, a lot of the ways you guys are putting some of the stuff, it's like if it was set post-Nemesis or like we've said before, if it was, you know, obviously set in an alternate timeline and this episode wasn't just had just so much almost beat for beat a remake of Star Trek 09 and actually looked more like Star Trek and less like Star Trek 09, then maybe... <laughs> I'd have been more Those into are it. Those some Other big ifs there, pal. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. A lot of it's like it's like I just don't see it turning itself around that well, or at least getting out of a lot of the ruts it already put itself in. But I'm willing to give it a shot. Do you have? C- did, you, did you get CBS All Access or no? I haven't yet, but a friend of mine had it, so I watched the one episode, and I was just like, eh, I don't know about this. Oh, but I have man. a feeling Andre is going to want me to get it. <laughs> so. Big sexy. Are you going to uh, stay stick with uh, Discovery? I'll give it, you know, another shot. Again, I didn't dislike it. I'm not, you know, giving that impression. There are things that need to be changed. But again, this is the the third or second episode coming up, and let's give it time to find its wheels. You know, the first season of TNG. Come on now. Yeah. That was that was, that was crap crap so let's see what they can do here and let these characters all finally coalesce and see what they're going to flesh out a bit but i will be bent if burnham doesn't take a hit i mean reduction of rank that has to happen hey she takes a hit did you see did you see her hair when she was in the previews for the next show it's like they must not have perm salons on this ship that she's going on because she can wow. be, a, you know, a junior grade lieutenant with a f***ed up hair, hairstyle then. She does not need to be full commander. Bust so, her down to yeoman. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I forgot to ask Tom this, but I'll ask Tom and you, Big Sexy. Are you going to turn your back on Starfleet and pledge allegiance to the Orville? Wait, see, again, you're making it Yes or no, cadet. It's not either or scenario. Cadet. <laughs> I can work my PC, cadet, all right? I can work Skype, cadet. It is two different things. You know, one is the Orville, the other is Star Trek. Why can't they coexist? Because one is a blatant theft. But anyway... Um, Brandon Braga is, and on, the other is on the third one. 
And oh, so there you oh, What's that? <laughs> Shots fired. Brandon Braga, said, what? Brandon Braga directed and produced the last episode of Orville. So that's a cosign right there. Yeah, that doesn't mean it wasn't stolen. I apologize, but seriously. Oh, what? No, I, I didn't hear. I, what did you say? I didn't, I, I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I said, he said, you know, one's a blatant ripoff of Star Trek, and I said, and the other one's the Orville. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Hey, now. Oh. Hey, now. Hey, now. Man. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. No, I, I'm not a Seth MacFarlane fan. Even Rob can attest to this. I yeah. barely like American Dad of all the things he's done. Ted was okay. Other than that, I really could care less about anything he's done. I have fallen in love with the Orville. It is more Star Trek to me than even like Enterprise was in some ways. Oh, so I'll give I, you that. I'll give you that all day. <laughs> but as far as like comparing that to this, the Orville gets the edge. If it comes down to it and I got to choose between one or the other, yeah. <laughs> At this point, anyway, especially only two or three episodes in for both. Jesus. Okay. Craig, <laughs> are you going to stick with uh, Discovery? I am going to stick with Discovery. I've signed up for CBS All Access, and I'll be sticking with the Orville. You there, I said it. Yeah. A- wait, A2? Craig? Yes, both. <laughs> You, you and I were like together on this. How it sucked, the Orville. I never said it sucked, did I? No way, I didn't say that. You didn't say that, Q. No, I didn't say that. I like the Orville. To be fair, I didn't even care for the first episode that much. It was good. I was like, eh, we'll see. And then the second one was better, and the third one was like, I'm, I'm a hook now. So I agree with that. Agreed. Now, had all three been like the first, eh? But second was better. Third was better than the second. Q, did you did you watch? I'm, the third I'm, I'm just gonna let that pause. That that dead. You know, it's not supposed to have dead air on radio. I'm just gonna let that lay there and and marinate for a second. Did you watch oh, the third episode, Q? I watched marinate. the third episode. Yes, I and did. And you didn't you didn't you didn't care for it? I hated it. <clears throat> oh Lord. Hated it. Uh, we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> No, 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 no. We're not going to get into that. You're wrong, but we're not going to get into it. I mean, if I want to hear themes that have been done, if I want to see themes that have been done ad nauseum, and I mean that positively, on uh, Star Trek, in every iteration of Star Trek, Voyager, TNG, DS9, uh, maybe not TOS. They wouldn't have touched that in the 60s. But um, I'll just watch Star Trek. And the lane, the you, lane. You mean you forgot the episode where Scotty wanted a sex change? Yeah, that one. Yeah, I had to let that one go. <laughs> hey, but Mike, you know what I Captain, think? Captain, I can't do it anymore. I need to get it, and I'm not talking about the kilt. There you go. I think yeah. The story is that Seth MacFarlane spent a long time convincing the networks to do the Orville, and so it's very likely, in my mind, that he had no idea they were doing CBS was doing Discovery. I don't think he really meant it to come on at the same time and go up against it. I think he just wanted to make another Star Trek type of story and tell those same kinds of stories, which have not been told for a long time. Right. Uh, that's that's mis- my take on it. If I'm not mistaken, Rob, did he not pitch a Star Trek show at one time? Well, he was interviewed in 2003 and he had said that, not 2003, 2013, he had said that the one series he always wanted to do was Star Trek. And he said that he just, he was, I'd wish that Paramount would give him the keys at the time. Uh, but unfortunately, he would go to, he was trying to get, he had tried to get permission to do a Star Trek series and they'd all, they had just rejected him flat. So um, this, this is his baby. I mean, <laughs> this is his baby. Like I said, this is something he's always, it was, it's this, there's two, there's two passion projects that Seth MacFarlane has Star Trek and the Flintstones. And. <laughs> Why does that sound appropriate? <laughs> but he already said the Flintstones would just be a ripoff of Family Guy, so. Yeah. Hey, that's not funny. I would like to see his Flintstones, actually. That would Bonnie, be. Bonnie, remember the time. Hey, man. Uh, hey, Betty started undressing and I got an erection. Oh, my God. Oh. Listen. <laughs> so, I've got an I idea. bet Orville runs more than in humans. There it is. Well, we're not going <laughs> to. Oh, that's not that. a very not high gonna... bar. 
You're, no, you already brought up our next topic on the Midnight's Edge After Dark <laughs> podcast. I can't wait to see is that Is the one. Inhumans going to get canceled before it even premieres? I thought that was already hmm. a done deal. It's possible. <laughs> There's, but listen, listen, real quick. Uh, I, I want to pitch an idea. I'm going to pitch an idea because I have some a few connections. I'm going to pitch this idea. Let me let me uh, put it on over the air to you guys. So this is an exclusive. Red shirts exclusive. Yeah, I'm going to pitch an idea where you have these guys. They're knights, right? And they dress in traditional Okinawan hakamas or gis, mm-hmm. right? And they belong to this religious sect where they, where they use this this thing called the power, okay? And their weapons are called light swords. And all they have to do is press a button and this long sword comes up, right? And they fight all of the the, the death lords who have uh, fallen to the black side of the power. I think I'd rather do a documentary about and, a radio station that goes up against the party. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to call it Battle Wars. I'm just as smart as Steph. <laughs> I'm just as smart as Steph McFarlane. <laughs> is it funny? But is it funny? That's I think, what matters. <laughs> I think the pitch in of itself is funny. I should get my ass thrown out of the room. I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I totally get where you're coming from, but there's one problem with that argument. What's that? Spaceballs is a classic. Oh, yes. I'm glad you said that. Yes. I'm glad. Listen, the Orville has a completely free use range. Use the Schwartz. Exactly. It can use the Schwartz, the Force, all it fucking wants. <laughs> I, ah, fuck all this. I love that. You're absolutely right. You know why Spaceballs and Galaxy Quest and any Jeff Zucker production works? Because it's one and done. It's one movie, and they move on. They don't try to. They don't try to make money over a whole series with it. So except it's a, there was what, a Spaceballs cartoon. Much, but, except, yeah. make, there's actually more than one Naked Gun movie. It's two of the yeah. two airplane movies. So, <laughs> well, that I was mean. based on a series. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, there was a Spaceballs uh, animated series on G4. I think it was on. Ready for like oh, ten or twelve episodes. It was on. I think. Hulu for a while, but I don't know if it is anymore. But yeah. Well, okay. I love Zucker, even Zucker. Having said all <laughs> that, I think we're going to wrap up here. I, I mean, you know what we've proven here is that I can be correct and everyone else can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Captain's oh, privilege. <laughs> well, listen, there you have it, folks. I, you know, I am a. You know, I, I forget, was it Wadsworth or was it uh, Longfellow who said, no man is an island? Well, we proved him wrong. <laughs> and yet some and yet some men are peninsulas. There you go. <laughs> there you go, Rob Longfellow. Oh, my. Yes. Oh, oh my. <laughs> so, if that is you, the wrong shifter. <laughs> let us know how you feel, uh, people. Uh, you know, you know where I stand. Uh, the only problem, the biggest thing I had was with the CBS All Access. I'm like, CBS, get your shit together. If you want me to download the app, then you should make the app look like what you had, what you, what was on my laptop, so I know how to find CBS All Access. I go to uh, Apple TV and I see this blue thing with the eye in it, and it says CBS Interactive. I'm like, well, that's not what I want. And I'm there 10 minutes pulling my hair. Then I go to CBS Interactive again. And in the tiny text on my screen, it says, you can watch CBS All Access through this app. Really? Oh, my God. CBS, get your together. But anyway. Well, love it or hate it, that's one thing that Rob and I and Andre always expressed. The biggest disheartening part of this whole entire endeavor is it should have been on Netflix or at least uh, UP or Jesus Christ. I almost called it UPN uh, <laughs> CW. It should be on at least either Netflix or CW instead of CBS trying to use this as their launch pad in quotations for CBS all access. Yes, that which pisses is, me off too. It's like, don't take this thing that I love and use it as a chess piece. I mean, HBO figured it out. I said this on another show. HBO figured it out. I can watch HBO or I can, and I can watch it on, HBO Now or HBO Go. Hey, here's a thought. Put it on CBS and CBS All Access. I'm a genius. Exactly. Yep. And having actually, said that, yes. 
Actually, yeah. you want to know something? Like you talk about UPN. I don't know if you saw the news today. Paramount is rebranding. Viacom is rebranding <laughs> the Spike TV network as the Paramount network. That's probably what made me think of it vicariously. Actually, Rob, it's funny you brought really? that up. But anyway, yeah. Um, I wonder if we're gonna get. Uh, they're gonna put more Star Trek content on there. You think? Or I, I hope that'd be well. well my not if CBS yeah. has anything to do with it. Yeah, I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'm okay Comcast, with that rebranding. Comcast is a big pissing match with Viacom too. So. They will lose. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. It was uh, an interesting debate. I think we covered everything. We left no stones unturned. Well, my stones are a little turned. But anyway, (laughs) please leave your comments. Let me know how you feel. Uh, You can check Red Red Shirts out now. You can check us out on YouTube. Uh, You just search under Red Shirts, a Star Trek podcast. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Tumblr. Check us out on Twitter, uh, RedShirts at, uh, at RedShirts1701. And by all means, by all means, you can check us out on iTunes. Download us, subscribe to us, leave us a ratings and review. But while you're doing that, please, 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 I implore you, go check out Midnight's Edge featuring Rob Gallo and Tom Connors. And there's another, you have another compatriot, Andre, how do you pronounce his last name? Oh, we just we've given up trying. It's just Andre. Okay, on here, on yeah, <laughs> it's Andre. He's our fearless leader. I, I Andre, feel, Andre the Viking, because he's from Norway. I can feel the love. But anyway, after you go to Midnight's Edge, check out Rob Gallo's channel, Robot Shlomo. Tom, you you got something to promote, right? What do you got? Well, we besides Midnight's Edge, we have a sister channel called Midnight's Edge After Dark, where Rob and I is that like Cinemax basically Skinemax? kinda, and that's that's where I must apologize for my potty mouth. I'm so used to <laughs> <laughs> Rob and I get going, and yeah, we're we're pretty bad sometimes. We we've got some stuff on the cutting room floor that would probably put us in jail. But anyway, no, <laughs> it's probably not that bad. Oh, oh but it's, yeah, oh my! Like I said, that's the that's the wrong shifter, Sulu. Uh, wow. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff you're going to find there. But, no, we really get into uh, the the corporate politics and try to do as best we can spin-free analysis of whatever's going on lately in the news. Kind of a laid-back version of the mini-documentaries and editorials you're used to on Midnight's Edge, but it's in a more of a talk radio podcast form where we kind of just uh, kick back and just talk about everything going on that we are into in the genres that we're in love with in the sci-fi and comic book type genres such as star trek and whatnot and uh, we also do reviews and have other kinds of videos over there so check us out at midnight's edge and midnight's edge after dark and of course rob also has robot shlomo as well where he does a lot of his own personal stuff so yeah there you go it sounds awesome and you you're talking about potty miles listen i'll put big sexy up against any one of you guys <laughs> any day of the week hey yeah yeah i said it whatever that's fine you know just use like the tricorder or something like that over it and have fun with it oh big sexy keeps me on my toes he always slips one past the goalie if you know what i mean so so with that ladies and gentlemen rob again Tom, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Been a lot we, of fun. <clears throat> it's been a lot of fun for us. And I'm uh, gonna Saniqua, Saniqua, I will see you next week. Alright. With that, we are out of here. Take care. See you. Later. everyone. Saniqua. Saniqua, I will see you next week. Alright. With that, we are out of here. She, she's gonna see me. I'm going to see her next week, but she's not going to see me if, 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 uh, if I play my cards right. So. I'll be in the bushes behind the behind her house. Oh, my God. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. I have no idea where she lives. No, she's not going to All right. Listen, I want to save you. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Red Shirts is not endorsed by Paramount Pictures, Viacom, or CBS. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Trek, the Star Trek logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of Star Trek characters are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders.